Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to All the Wiser. I'm Kimmy Kolf. All the Wiser is a one-for-one podcast. For every inspiring interview you hear, we donate $2,000 to charities around the world. I believe in the power of storytelling to inspire us all to think differently about the world around us. So I've combed the country for some of the most jaw-dropping stories you have ever heard. People who have been to the brink and back, stories of survival against all odds, and whose lives have been changed in unthinkable ways. Before we get started, I have a quick ask of you. If you haven't already, I hope you'll follow us on Instagram at All The Wiser Podcast. By clicking follow, you'll get a heads up before we drop each episode and see pictures and videos that bring our interviews to life. If you want to take it a step further, you can take a screen grab of your favorite episode and share it on your own feed. We are grateful for your support and excited to bring you today's interview with Obi and Defo. Obi is an accomplished actor here in Los Angeles. He's appeared in everything from Dawson's Creek to Star Trek. When he is not on set, he is busy as an insanely talented yoga instructor. Both careers required Obi to be physically strong and fluid. Less than a year ago, Obi was loading his groceries in the trunk when he was hit from behind by a drunk driver going 45 miles an hour. One of his legs was severed immediately and he would lose the other within hours. Today, we talk about the moments right after the accident and the days and weeks that followed. All of our guests have been incredibly vulnerable and Obi is no exception. There are moments in this interview where my jaw drops. His brutal honesty is both heartbreaking and heartwarming. He is filled with pain, uncertainty, optimism, love, forgiveness, and a clear vision to turn his loss into the greatest gain of his life. Here's today's interview with my new friend, Obi and Defo. Welcome, Obi. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. Uh, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to upgrade that. I'm going to upgrade that answer and I'm going to say I'm doing great. <laughs> <You're so> great. <laughs> well, Obi, I'm so happy to have this conversation with you and share it with our audience. And I'll say really quickly that I do a pre-interview where I reach out and connect with the person and hear about their story to make sure it's a great fit on both ends. Sure. And I just immediately had a connection with you and mm-hmm. was inspired by you and adored you. Mm. and. I'm really excited because I think that hopefully people will hear that in, in our conversation today and that they will have that same feeling after talking to you because I certainly just was optimistic and inspired after we hung up the phone. So Yeah, it's pretty pretty powerful stuff we were talking about. So maybe we can yeah. get into some of that today. Yeah, so let, let's make it happen. 
So I always like to start by asking my guests to introduce themselves. How would you introduce yourself? You know, that's a great question because, you know, who I am inside, you know, is so many things, you know, and there's so many, so many perspectives, you know, as we all know, as, as far as how we see ourselves, you know, I think I'm a son, I'm, a, I'm very deeply committed to art. I'm an artist, you know, I'm very passionate about humanity. That's very important to me. You yeah. know, Obi, tell me a little bit about the backdrop of your childhood and growing up. Sure. I grew up in Los Angeles and, you know, right in LA, kind of a multicultural kid with, you know, lots of different types of people around me. My father's from Nigeria, from West Africa. We went to Berkeley in Northern California, met my mom, who is from New York, and she's a uh, Russian-Polish Jew. So just kind of very colorful, multicultural, you know, 80s kid grew up watching television and deeply involved in the arts. I've been writing and directing and acting since I was a toddler. And just It just came naturally to me, and I'm very much interested in the dynamics of human beings and stories and dialogue and how we interact and playing characters and costumes and masks and emotion. Very, very, very emotional kid, hyper-emotional, which is something we can get into. Yeah, I'm interested. What does it mean to be a hyper-emotional kid? You know, I'm still figuring that out. But uh, as far as I can tell, the terms I've heard are just highly empathic, you know, which sometimes feels something like I physically take on other people's emotion. I think a lot of people are like that, you know. I, I think we all are to different extents. And certainly artists, you know, I think as an actor, you you tend to have this vehicle, this body, this vessel that souls kind of inhabit and that's part of what you're doing functionally is like sort of playing you know a slave a king a murderer a mother you know you're you're literally take on other people's realities and emotions you know so i i kind of for better or for worse have that kind of body that kind of system which is a wonderful thing but it's torture I have one of those at home. So when you figure it out, you can okay, okay. You can come over and talk to her. Yeah, talk to her. So part of the conversation we're going to have today, and I, I guess the heart of the conversation and what brought us together is an accident that happened to you last year and resulted mm-hmm. in you losing both your legs above the knee. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a snapshot of where you were in your life the morning of the accident before it happened? Sure. I was been working on a television series called Juice Bar, which is all about, you know, health and different aspects of health. And, you know, so I'd done some work on that, some writing and pre-production work for that during the day. And then I had taught a yoga class downtown at a yoga studio called Peace Yoga Gallery downtown, and then had gone to Air One Natural Foods Market, which is a pretty well-known market and juice bar in health market in LA on Beverly Boulevard. And this was around closing just before midnight when they, they closed at 1145. And I went in and brought out my groceries, you know, my healthy salads and kombuchas and everything and, and all these healthy foods. And I was parked and I was uh, loading my groceries into the back trunk of my car into a cooler. Very routine for me. And as far as I understand it, about a minute and a half or two minutes later, something like that, I was on my back kind of just coming to 
realized, and there was somebody coming to my side, an amazing chef, Chef Alberto Lazzarino, who we later discovered was driving by and saw me there. And um, so a car, what we understand is a drunk driver, veered out of nowhere and veered across traffic and slammed into my body full speed, about 45 miles per hour at least, directly into me, then into my car, which, which was pretty simultaneous. I was standing, you know, directly loading groceries. You can't really reach into the trunk unless you're, you know, physically squarely standing behind the, behind the car. So he, he just complete rear end, you know, it, had I been in the car, you know, I could have died. I could have had whiplash. I mean, you know, in, in the driver's seat, there's so, so many scenarios that could have happened, but I literally, I was the bumper for my car. So my right leg was severed instantly above the knee. And, you know, I fell back on the left was pretty much the same and had to be amputated at the hospital 30 minutes later. There was just a river of blood beside me. And, uh, and from what I hear, there was almost no more blood coming out of my body. It was that severe. I mean, I, I was so close to death in several different ways, you know, from the impact from the blood loss. I mean, I was alternately standing up and leaning down into the trunk, you know, in different body positions. I believe I was standing straight up because I was just stretching my back because I was a little stiff in the back at the time of the impact. So I, you know, very easily could have died. What are your first moments of awareness? And you spoke to the chef who was driving home from a, a night of work and, and cooking. Yeah, yeah. And him being the first person you look at. Can you walk us through the the moments that followed that car, which hit you at, I believe, 45 to 50 miles an hour? Yeah. Well, it's funny, Kimmy, you know, the, the, the mind is such a funny thing, you know, and this is a very interesting lesson that, I, that sort of started that night, you know, which may shed some light for other people and things they're going through. And one of my first thoughts was, you know, what I questioned, I said, was, was I hit by a car? You know, because that was the only thing that made sense. I felt a little foolish, kind of like if you were to slip, you know, and fall like on a banana peel or something, you know, like you were to slip, you'd be like, whoa, it's kind of a social thing. Like when you're splayed out, you feel a little just kind of foolish. And then I saw all my groceries, my, my healthy juices shattered on the ground. I was like, oh God, there goes my dinner. And um, I was so excited to have that dinner and I was going to go home and write. And, you know, our minds are just focused on the present moment, you know? And then it was the feeling of like, you know, like when you stub your toe and you're like, ow. And then like five seconds later, you're like, ow, you know, like, and you don't, like, you don't know what the damage is, you know, and then you look down, you're like, okay, am I going to see red? Am I going to see blood? Like, did I cut myself, you know? And I was just like, realizing it's like, oh man, like what happened? What just happened? You know? And I reached down and I think Alberto kind of guided my hand away and I was and I asked, are my legs still there? You know, it just occurred to me, you know, and then I just started repeating, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. And I had to just spiritually go to this place of, of appreciation and gratitude. I was pissed, but, you know, I, I just had to say, okay, I, I know I'm alive. I'm alive. Thank God I'm alive. You know. And what does Alberto offer you at that moment? What does his being by your side in that moment look like? He was... Um, Oh man, you know, are you okay? And asking me questions and trying to sort of keep me alert. 
which I, he was like, what's your name? And I was aware of what he was doing and I was trying to help him help me, you know? So it's so funny how people think, you know? And then I think what happened was my back sort of spasmed and grabbed because it's way, way, way too much information for the body when your legs get cut off. It's like, you know what I mean? I mean, think about it. Like when you stub your toe or you like break a fingernail, like that's like freaking ow, you know? This is like, the body is just like, wait a minute. I, there's no way I can handle this right now. So, you know, body almost gives itself like a, like a self epidural, you know, and the back, your lower back kind of grabs. So I, I said, please turn me on my side, turn me on my side. And I said, hold my hand, hold my hand. It just sort of came out of nowhere. And he held my hand. I mean, first of all, he, he had people call 911. He yelled for blankets. And so he was literally a savior, literally. And, uh, but, you know, he held my hand until the ambulance came like four minutes later and they pulled me into the ambulance and, you know, put a tourniquet on and just hearing that word like tourniquet, tourniquet. I'm just like, man, this is real, isn't it? What physically happened to your body on the impact? Well, it's crazy because this is part of the story, which is interesting, is that I had just taught yoga, you know, so my body was in a very healthy place. And this, this speaks to the food I eat and to my lifestyle of, you know, yoga. So there's all kinds of theories I have and other people have about what happened and what progressed in the hospital, which is I decided to not do any pain medication after the day of the surgery. But this process started right away is that I had no other damage to my body. Like it was I so easily my pelvis could have been crushed, my my brain injury, or just dead right on the spot, right on the spot, you know. And it was literally my legs were just cut off, you know. But that's pretty much it, you know. And so it was just like being cut in two, you know. It was so, it was so bizarre and so horrible and so horrific. And the crazy thing to me is that I was lucid the whole time besides that, you know. So I was they were taking me into the ambulance and I was like, uh, they were, I was like, call my mother, Susan Matranga. This is her number three, two, three, da, 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 da. And then I was like, my keys are in my pocket, car keys are in my pocket, my credit cards. And, you know, I was like helping them. And they're like, dude, we got this <laughs> ambulance was like, dude, we got this. And this continued into the operating room. I was talking to the, 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 uh, the surgeon and he was like, please, can we give this guy something? I was so lucid. And I was just like, please save as much of my legs and my body as you can. I'm an actor. I'm a yoga teacher. I need my body. And I was just making my plea because I just felt like I had this window of time to like, you know, save my body and to, you know, I mean, what are you going to say? That's incredible to wrap your head around because even I was yeah. trying to go in the space of your body being severed in half and those basic yeah. things like, did I slip on a banana? Like, But yeah. I think you explained it beautifully about what happens to the body with that level of, of trauma. And yeah. also, as I read, because not only are you an accomplished actor here in LA and a writer and a director, but mm -hmm. you are also a incredible, very accomplished yoga teacher. Mm-hmm. And this was not always your life. And, you know, I listened to another podcast and you describe mm -hmm. yourself as growing up on candy cereal, again, kid of the 80s, growing up on yeah. candy cereals and fast food. Yeah, and yeah, got yeah. to this point where it was truly an addiction. Yeah. And you wanted to shift. And part of that shift yeah. was your, what you saw as your potential and your dream and vision for yourself was acting. And you realized 
the physicality of that and the strength you needed to transform your body. And you end up changing your complete lifestyle through a 12-step program with food. That's how seriously you took it. Yeah. And now you are the embodiment of health. You're 6'4", incredibly strong. Mm. Use that physicality of acting and, you know, Stargate, Star Trek, and Mm -hmm. you you are regular and, you know, shows that everyone around the world knows. So where I went in my head Mm -hmm. was that you were uniquely positioned to survive at that moment. All of the changes Mm. you had, your body was in such a place of strength. Mm. And I hope they make a documentary because it's, it's, I just think it's fascinating. It it is fascinating. You know, I mean, I'm fascinated by it and sort of being, even being in my body, you know, and one thing I think you'll be able to appreciate, because I'm still coming to terms with this and understanding what this is, but I think Kimmy, you make a really good point. I think it's it's very accurate that, you know, there's things I've had to deal with in my life that only somebody who's gone through an eating disorder or someone who has gone through in the trenches of, of having bipolar condition or somebody who has had depression or, or, you know, for 20 years, say, knows the extent of what that means. So, I went through things in my life, it's very astute what you said, you know, where I had to develop this sort of superhuman strength without even knowing it, you know, and it may look like, you know, when I was in the throes of, of, you know, food addiction and stuff and dealing with emotional things and you're literally, you know, shaking on the bathroom floor and you, you go to these places where you can't function and you can't breathe and you can't, and anxiety or depression is so... Anxiety and depression are no joke, you know, they are, they're right up there with any trauma. Do you know what I mean? And I defy anyone to say, which is easier, you know, getting your leg severed in an instant or going through depression for 20 years, you know? And so I I was uniquely positioned to, this has been one of the most intense, brutal, mind boggling things I could ever imagine anyone going through, but heartbeat by heartbeat, I had some of the tools to at least begin the process of acceptance and the rigor that it would take to get through this with, with positivity and with love. So you have the surgery, you choose not to go on pain meds, which dropped my jaw. Yeah. Phenomenal. What is the road in the coming days and weeks? Where does your journey begin with recovery and healing? Well, this is what's so crazy to me is that I had written, I was the, the, the main writer on a television show called Juice Bar, which is basically, it's a satire. It's kind of like Cheers, you know, meets like Willy Wonka. It's a very, almost like a children's Sesame Street style show that's all set in this magical, whimsical juice bar and health center. And it's silly. It's, it's farce, it's satire. But I was writing this show And part of my healing was I felt like I needed to get back to the pre-production for this series because we were about five or six years into development. So having that artistic purpose and that drive, literally, I was back in the gym 10 days later, you know, from leaving the hospital. And yes, no pain meds after. And what's so fascinating on a sort of physiological plane is I'm perfectly aware of what was happening. I was flooding my body with such nutrient-dense, plant-based living food, and I could feel it, 
right? Now, I know this. A lot of us know this, that practice this, you know, what eating healthy, you know, life-giving fruits and vegetables and very high vibration food that's very fresh from the earth, what it does boost your immune system, your metabolism, your brain function, your skin re- regenerate, your, all your cell, you know, cellular regeneration, foods that aggressively fight cancer, help with, you know, diabetes, depression, anxiety, all these things. But I knew that more in a progressive health standpoint. You know, I didn't have, I would never thought I would have to in a million years apply it to a trauma situation. So here I was, I didn't have the hospital food. I had the food. Luckily, I had these angels from this place, from Erwan, that the show is kind of fictionally about getting food for me. And that's what I ate. I just did it religiously. And what was already pretty religious and, you know, you call it obsessive, just became medical. So I literally almost became my own physician and ate on a medical basis. So I did that. And the doctors and nurses were coming in saying, how is this possible? You're not taking pain medication and you're, look at your skin, cell, you know, your legs, your, everything's regenerating so quickly. And I was just watching it in my body. It was like Avatar, Kimmy. It was, it was amazing. It was, it was amazing. It was, don't get me wrong, it was brutal. Like, this is me talking now. Like, don't think I wasn't crying and screaming and, you know, this is effing, the worst thing I could happen, but I, I made it, you know, I made it through. So as I said before, you're at six, four, incredible shape, your career and livelihood and passion is about the strength of your body and both your career as an actor and as a yoga instructor. Mm -hmm. Do you grieve the loss of your old body? Do you grieve the loss of your legs or how do you you reconcile that? You know, it's really funny you asked me this question today because I'm just believing there's just these days, there's no coincidences in the universe. You know, answer the question. Yes, I do. I had a day yesterday where there was some people who were reaching out to me and there was a, there was a, a, a wonderful benefit where people from Yale University and the Yale School of Drama where I, where I attended got together and some families of uh, a wonderful young man, Jamie Mann, who's, a, who's an upcoming actor, singer-actor and dancer in Broadway and film and TV. He um, decided to have a benefit, like a fundraiser for me, as I'm getting into prosthetic legs, the um, new prosthetic legs, just getting increasingly able to function, you know, in prosthetic legs. And, uh, so they, they got a lot of people from my past to talk and to sing and to, to sing songs, you know, for me and to contribute. And it was so moving. And I think what had happened was I had been through 10 months, which is, which is nothing really of grieving and lamenting. I, you know, I miss my feet. I miss my feet. I miss my knees. I miss my shins. I miss my body. My God, what a sick joke is this? Of all people, this couldn't have happened to a worse person. You know, my feet were my life. I would people would joke about that, and when I, you know, I would just talk about. I would be, go barefoot everywhere, you know, and and uh, I'm like a was like a monkey as a kid, you know, and I I, I I cherished that part of my body. So it's like some bizarre twist of fate that of all people, this would happen to me. So, oh my God, yes. Not only did I have I just you know hours and hours of sobbing about it. But yesterday I 
was at the prosthetics clinic. And I think all the people from my past brought up, it was like new OB meet old OB that doesn't, hasn't realized yet that he's lost a lot of his legs. <laughs> Get, who hasn't, it hasn't set in yet, you know? And it hit me, Kimmy, it hit me. And it was so devastating. But I just used this example because it happened yesterday. I was at the clinic and this is funny, funny now, but I burst into tears and I had, I'm a big crier, right? And I've cried a lot lately, especially during this whole COVID situation that we're in. Um, I don't know if anyone's had this. I like burst into tears. I felt like I had nowhere, nowhere to cry. Like I went into the bathroom. I used to cry in my car. That was my place. Like when I was driving or I'd go in my car, like when, when I would burst into tears and I was just, it was like, you know, baby sobbing, you know, and I just like, no one could hear me, you know, and I'll tear up and get emotional in front of people. But like, what do you, are you, com- are we comfortable, you know, just completely like losing it? And it happened to me yesterday. And I, because of my mobility, it sounds kind of weird, but like, I, I didn't have a car to go into. I didn't have like Kleenex, like I was literally like, it was just burst out of me. And my appointment had ended and they were closing the the office. And I went down to Wilshire Boulevard, which is a busy, busy street out here in my wheelchair with my prosthetic legs, my new prosthetic legs I'm working with now were off sitting in my lap, sobbing in the middle of the street. I happened to manage to grab some paper towels from the bathroom and I, for like an hour and a half, and it was like uh, grief, you know, it, it, it was grief and there's no, no two ways about it. I, I just like, you know, someone's coming up again now, like I, my legs are gone, you know, and it's for someone who, who dance on stage and sing and, you know, yoga, all this stuff was my life. I used to, I, I love doing stunts and film and television. It's one, of, it's one of my highlights memories, you know, is being able to do acrobatics and, fight scenes and it's just my legs, you know. Where are you in the process today of your prosthetics and your recovery? Where are you in the process? Yeah, I mean, we're getting close. You know, we're, we're about uh, 40,000 away from the goal, which is it's we have an amazing beginning. I mean, it's people, a lot of people have really been supporting and it's been great, you know, and it's just what people don't understand is that as, as like my legs are, that part of my legs are gone for good, you know, so a, a lifetime for a prosthetics wear is challenging and financially the, the higher end prosthetics aren't covered by insurance, but when you need that kind of load on your body and that kind of demand and that kind of sophistication of movement, you know, if you're, if you're a dancer or an actor, or I mean, if you're heck, if you're an airline pilot or whatever, a mom, I mean, it's, it's many scenarios where you need to move fluidly and you need to replace parts over your lifetime. And there, you know, there's just so many things that aren't covered that people don't, you have to do modification to the home, you know, to get in and out when you are in your wheelchair and there's, you know, you have to go through multiple wheelchairs as you go through multiple legs. It's such an ongoing process that it's like I had to go back to school for learning how to walk. And I'm still in my infancy, I'm, you know, of what that is. So they have to work. It's an amazing science, you know, amazing technology that they do with crafting sockets that are fit exactly to your residual limbs. And then the microprocessor needs that learn your movements in space and time and help you help assist through so that you don't fall and don't injure yourself more. So we've launched a huge effort so that I can get back to 
just being whole, whole and complete, you know, and, and look, I'm going to be, heck, I'm, you know, I'm going to, I'm, I'll crawl to, to do what I need to do. You know, I'll, I'll crawl across the desert with my fingernails and my teeth if I have to, to, to do what I need to do, you know, to, to live my life, to help somebody, you know, I mean, at this point, it's like a virtuous circle. It's like a loop, you know, anything, we all help each other. And we were learning that in this era of the virus is that, you know, you pay it forward and you help someone, literally they can help someone. And we see how connected we all are helping the healthcare workers, helping the police officers, helping our truck drivers and our, our farmers and helping our moms and helping our politicians and, and our actor, our, you know, where would we be without our, 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 our music artists, our musicians and our, our performers, our filmmakers now that we're at home and needing art more than ever, you know, just gasping for, for art, you know? So, so that's, that's where I'm at is being able to get back to creating this, this groundbreaking, you know, multicultural show that's all about health in the first place, you know? So. And you wrote into the script before the accident, the role of a double amputee. And I know a huge commitment is is a director, writer, and yeah. actor is to represent the fabric of this country. And, right. and so the double amputee and the diversity is what you wake up every day thinking about. But you yeah. wrote a character who was a double amputee before the accident, and now you're playing the role that you wrote. It's almost too hard, too much to believe, but it's true. You know, it was, and it was three, at least about three years ago that was well, three and a half years ago that I wrote that part for the series. And I was literally interviewing, researching amputees and, and also the character could have been a paraplegic. The point is he didn't have use of, of his legs. So now lo and behold, it's like, I, I may end up playing this part. I will likely play this part, you know? So that's, that's, you know, an, another part of the, you know, wanting to make a documentary about about the whole thing that happened and and behind the scenes of of Juice Bar. First of all, your yoga, which the media outlets, television that have covered you, there's the footage of you in your wheelchair, Mm -hmm. you don't have your legs, and the strength in your arm, you Mm -hmm. literally are holding up your entire body weight, doing a Mm -hmm. handstand. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's like, I hope you have access to some of it that we can share. Cause if not, I'll just have a link in the show notes to watch it. Yeah, But it's your strength and you were back in the gym. There's also footage of you 10 days after this lifting Mm -hmm. weights. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I love about you, Obi, and thank you for doing this for, for me and our listeners in this interview is you're so honest and raw about the dark places you go because I don't mm-hmm. think it's of service when we tell glossed over stories because uh, life you know, is not rose yeah. color. But I do want to focus yeah. on the fact that you are back in your life, that you're out in the world, that you're acting in a role you wrote previous to this, that yeah. your yoga practice is thriving and that you have this this message of moving forward. You are an optimistic person. You're also honest about the the dark places you can go. Yeah. But where you know, did that optimism come from? Well, you know, I, I I almost want to backtrack, you know, to what you were just saying and to what I was saying earlier because I don't want to do a disservice. It almost feels sacrilegious to just say, you know, oh, I feel so strong or always oh, so strong or you know, let me phrase this another way. Okay, I'm going to contradict myself right now and everything I've said. I'm in hell right now. 
I'm a mess. Okay. And that's equally true. And I'm being hundred percent honest. Okay. And if you catch me on a different day at a different moment, you will see a different side of me, you know? And so I'll say it again so that anyone who's listening, who's in this place can possibly understand what I'm saying. I'm in hell right now. I'm a mess. Okay. And that's true. And I'm not just saying that, Kimmy. I mean, I, if you saw me yesterday, the level of what I'm going through emotionally, if someone could step into my body would be like, no, thank you. I can't take this. I can't handle this. But what there is a new grain of in me, which is not something that, you know, and and I want to say, you know, I I started back in the gym 10 days later. I don't want to give overstate that it took, it took me weeks to be able to be, to be able to lift weights. And I mean, it's a whole rehabilitation process, right? But I'm starting to realize that I have to accept that I'm in hell, right? That I have something in, in me has to accept that I'm a mess, that I am destroyed, you know, and this is what we learn in the 12 step program, you know, and it's in anyone who's been through that process or who has, because you could say, yes, you know, I have bipolar, I have, I'm manic depressive, or I, I have multiple personality disorder, or I have schizophrenia. Schizophrenia is a good one, you know, and you, you say that word, schizophrenia, you know, or you say, you know, I'm, I'm autistic, or I have Asperger's, you know, and this is what's so interesting about these words. Nobody can express the level of pain someone is going through. Nobody can express the level of dissociation or numbness that someone could be feeling. So that's me. That's me right now. But what's happening is that I'm finding that if I can accept that to some degree, that makes all the difference. Because then I go into that element of the serenity prayer, you know, which is please grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. You know, and I say, you know, God grant me the serenity to accept and embrace the things I cannot change, the courage to change and embrace the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference and embrace the difference. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious about the drunk driver. Did you learn anything about who he was and where are you? Are you in a process of forgiveness? Have you forgiven? Where are you emotionally with the role he's played in your life? Well, you know, I feel and I've always felt that we're sort of on different tracks. Do you know what I mean? Like my reality has to do with me and my creator and his reality has to do with him and his creator. Do you know what I mean? If that makes any sense. So it's not really my business to be angry at him. (laughs) If that makes sense. You know what I mean? I didn't create this guy. I'm not this guy. I'm not, I don't know him. You know, I may ultimately meet him in court, you know, sooner than later, but that's a criminal case. So, you know, I've always said I just I'm someone who lives my life by principles of humanity and principles of redemption. I just hope that this individual can get the rehabilitation and, you know, deliverance to some redemption to be able to help other people in his life. I feel there's no other road for me. 
there's no other road for me other than having compassion for every living creature. You know, it, it sounds so simple and it sounds, it may, it may sound so far fetched, you know, but I had to take a path of love that I, yes, even the person who hit me, I love you. Yes, I do. That's going to be a powerful moment when you see him in person. Yeah. I don't quite know what to expect. You know, I don't, I don't quite know what to, to expect. And there's only so much I can do. Yeah. You know, but I, but I, but I, I do think the priority is to focus on my healing and any moment I spend in, in anger or, or, or judgment is, uh, that just, to me, it takes away from my healing and my, my positivity. Obi, what do you hope that people take away from your story? You know, I hope that people take away that whatever we are going through, whatever you're going through, if you're in a particular stage of cancer, if you have fourth stage cancer, if you if you have a child with with autism who's and, and it's that's challenging to, to work through, if you are don't have enough food to eat, if you're in an abusive relationship and you're being physically or emotionally or sexually abused, if you if you're dealing with cancer like so many people are dealing with, if you have coronavirus right now and you're in the hospital and you're alone you know if you're in the military and you're away from your family you know if if you've lost a child if you've lost a spouse you know if you there are so many things and and things that don't even sound that dramatic if you're really having a hard time with anxiety you know and and just you're so that can be enough to, to make someone not want to live, you know, that, that, that you're so stressed, you're so anxious and you're so worried about your circumstance or about the world. If there's so much grief, there's so much loss, there is a through line. You may not see it right now. You may not know it. You may not even believe it, but there is a through line into redemption, into hope, into joy back into health, into sanity, into togetherness, you know, into survival. There, there, sometimes it means finding in the darkest depths that shred of that molecule, that, that infinitesimally small grain of something, strength, to build upon, to make yourself stronger, to find something that's just, and again, this is when all hope is lost, or it's just surrendering to something that's so much more massively greater than you that you just say, I, 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 you win, I lose, you know, I, I, I don't, I throw my hands up. I throw my hands up to a, to a power that's greater than me. There is, I hope people take away that there is a through line to recovery and there's a through line to love and joy. There's a return to love. It exists. It's always there. It's always, always there. We just, you just have to keep looking. It's there. It's there. Well, Obi, thank you for this. And what I saw in you and I hear and what comes through in this interview is that, and I think why we got excited connecting on sort of a professional, personal level is this notion of, changing the world with your work and the things you love to do and change the Mm -hmm. world always sounds cliche. But as I see that you're writing and directing and wanting to 
reflect the fabric of our country and the way we tell mm-hmm. stories that mm-hmm. you're in spite of the loss of both your legs, practicing yoga and inspiring and teaching people about mm-hmm. how to take care of their bodies and that you're sharing your story and being open and vulnerable. All of that does in fact change the world in a positive way. Yeah. So you are of service and I just think you have such a bright future and I'm, I'm excited to watch you. Thank you. That means a lot to me, knowing your particular background, Kimmy, and what you've fought through and, you know, what you've had to endure and how you've gained the skills and the wherewithal to want to bring these stories together into this podcast. Talk about having impact. And it's an honor to be able to add my voice to your growing family of, you know, of, of voices that are, that are making impact. Right back at you, my friends. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so we end with a little thing called rapid fire. So we'll okay. see what comes to mind. Favorite movie? E.T. Oh, so good. Favorite song? The theme to Chariots of Fire by Vangelis. Best way to spend a Sunday? With friends. Do you curse? I can't remember. Do you say swear words? I do. Okay, favorite swear word? Well, I stopped myself from saying fuck about four times during this, so uh, I wasn't sure if I was allowed to. So we'll go to the one I stopped myself saying in the last hour. <laughs> Got it. Uh, yeah. Glad we could tie it up with a... <laughs> right. In a, fucking, in a fucking great way. <laughs> <laughs> what I wish I knew at 20. Nothing that I didn't know. <laughs> the man I hope to be at 80. Uh, as good as my father. That is a beautiful answer. Mm -hmm. I hope the same thing for myself. Yeah. Obi, thank you again. Where can we find you on social media so people can follow your story and learn about your work in the world and become a part of your life? Yeah. um, So probably one of the best places is the the GoFundMe site because you can message me there. And it actually has the most comprehensive, just like stories and videos and write-ups of everything I've gone through. So it's just look, look up OBI, last name N-D-E-F-O on the GoFundMe is a great, great start. And then I'm also um, on Instagram, my name, last name backwards first, N-D-E-F-O and then OBI. So Indefo OB. Those are two great places, but the GoFundMe is, has the most sort of comprehensive you know, stuff and you can message me and, and, you know, anyone who wants to help sort of support the, the prosthetics process, that's always possible there. And you can learn about the production work I'm doing moving forward and with the television series Juice Bar and, and how that's coming together. Yeah. It's so well done. And there's a lot there. Yeah. I hope people will check out. All right, Obi, thank you so much for making the time to be here. And I hope to meet you in person. Absolutely. Obi, thank you again. You are awesome and really appreciate you making the time to do this. It's a pleasure. And um, I look forward to connecting with people um, who hear this and uh, all coming together to um, not, not only survive in this world, but to thrive together. Absolutely. Take care of yourself and uh, okay. hope, to, hope to talk to you soon, Obi. Talk to you soon, Kimmy. Thanks all so much. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Today's interview with Obi supports the Santa Monica Playhouse. The nonprofit Playhouse is over 60 years old and was the creative backdrop 
to Obi's young dreams as a aspiring actor. Obi made a beautiful point in our interview. During this time of COVID, where would we be without artists? Getting lost in your binge-worthy show, watching old movies with your kids, and the joy and emotion that music sparks. The Santa Monica Playhouse supports the critical arts education to provide training and creative inspiration for our next generation of artists. You can learn more about them by Googling Santa Monica Playhouse. And as Obi shared, if you'd like to support him or follow his journey, please check out his GoFundMe page. I hope you loved getting to know Obi as much as I did and that his wisdom stays with you. All the Wiser is produced by Erica Gerard at Podkit Productions. Our sound engineer is Kelly Kramerick, and our associate producer is Kessie Hollister. Thanks for being a part of the All the Wiser podcast. You can subscribe to the podcast, read our show notes, or get in touch with us at allthewiserpodcast.com. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at All the Wiser Podcast. Send us a note. We would love to hear from you. And as always, thanks for listening. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.